In that specific context, love your enemies is love the Romans, right? Who are occupying you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. And here when saying striking on one cheek, most probably it's a backhand slap. And it includes not only, but when you were excluded from the synagogue, they gave you a backhand slap, right? So here Jesus is saying, okay, you know, if they exclude you, right, from your places, turn the other cheek as well, right? Love them. Um, if someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would do as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full but love your enemies do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful right here we can see the echo of the old testament right god saying in leviticus and Deuteronomy, be holy as i am holy uh, be merciful just as your father is merciful do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap the place of abundance right for with the measure you use it will be measured to you he also told them this parable can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears good fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes <coughs> from priors. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Right? So outward expression comes from what is inside of us. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's a no-brainer. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation <coughs> on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. 
great. A lot of things. And of course, I cannot do justice to everything. That's why we'll focus on some parts of the text today. And so, I think like the first thing that comes up, this passage is overwhelmingly talking about our behavior. Right? What do kingdom people do? Right? What does Jesus expect of his followers? What does Jesus call us to do? Right? Ethics, if we can call it um, that way. Right? So, for Jesus, clearly, right, what we believe in is directly linked as well to how we behave, right? There's no disconnect. So if you want it, there's no disconnect between theology and ethics, right? Both are clearly intertwined. And on a high level, that's logical, right? If we say, Lord, I trust you, Lord, I trust you, you are the smartest man in the room, then, of course, we take him seriously and do what he says, right? So for Jesus and the early church, right, it was sort of a foreign idea that you can have faith in Jesus and still keep on living how you used to do, right? That's why Jesus says, right, at the end, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, I do not do what I tell you, right? It's a no-brainer, right? If you call me Lord, I am your master, right? I trust you. It's a no-brainer. And clearly, uh, this this passage that we've been talking in Luke, describing the life in the kingdom, right? And life in the kingdom is all about discipleship. Right? And discipleship, another word which I like is apprenticeship. Right? We learn from Jesus. Right? We learn from him. Right? That's what Matthew 11 says. It says, come to me and learn from me. Right? Wherever you are, today, tomorrow is your place of discipleship. At your work, at your home, we learn. Jesus is the smartest person in the room. When you are in a meeting on a business, Jesus is the smartest person in the room, right? We are learning to be like him, imitating him. And that's why, for instance, for me personally, I'm going to talk some of what Jesus commands, um, Beatitudes, if we can say, I still cannot understand because I am still not on that journey and my apprenticeship. When he says, you know, uh, happy are you when people hate you because of me. Right? I know I have a tendency to people please. Right? So I, st- I cannot imagine me being happy if people hate me. Right? Or I also struggle with Jesus when he says, oh, do not be anxious because I provide for you. Right? I, I struggle with that. There are depths of Jesus' teaching that still need to sink deep into my heart. Right? And that's why discipleship is a journey. Right? It's not we believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah. No, we learn from Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on uh, today. And that's why uh, this sermon is quite challenging for me personally as well. And that's why I'm excited to be here today with you all. And thankfully, of course, we are not alone in this process right, of discipleship. Uh, that's why it's always important to take things into its context, right? We saw now 15 verses in Luke, but we have to put it in its always wider context, right? When I was reading Luke six months ago, one thing that really struck me was how full of Luke saw the activity of the Holy Spirit, right? And the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. Right? That's why as well as Luke wrote Acts, right? How the Spirit really exploded the church, right? It's, it is really everywhere, right? Luke said Jesus full of the Spirit, went to the desert, right? When he set his manifesto, 
the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? So clearly, how do we live this kingdom life? Like Phil said last time, we live it filled by the spirit. It's a spirit-driven process. We cannot overemphasize this fact. John chapter 3 says, You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the spirit. Galatians 5 says, The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. So concretely, what the Bible is teaching is that it is the spirit who takes us into the kingdom, and it is the spirit as well who inwardly transforms us and character. Phil some time ago preached how we position ourselves to catch the wind of the Spirit. Uh, I want to talk a bit about today, how we learn from Jesus to position ourselves. And so that's the idea again what Sarah preached two weeks ago. We enter into a partnership with the Spirit. It's a collaboration. We work together. And so Jesus was full of the Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. And so what I want to suggest today is that if we are going to live in God's kingdom, being filled by the Spirit, let's learn from Jesus. Let's look at how he lived. Jesus is our teacher. The disciples called him rabbi. Teacher, show me how to live. Let's learn from Jesus what he did. And so first, my friend, before we get into that, Jesus extends to us an invitation here in this passage. Right? He says, every student who is trained in the kingdom, right, will, when he is fully trained, will become like their teacher. Right? That's what he's saying to the disciples. Right? Train. Look at me, and you will become like me. Right? He's not saying you're going to become me. No. Right? You're going to become like me. So we are called to become like Jesus. I remember when I was little, I had a cousin whose name was Jacob. And I remember calling him once. I wanted to be just like him. You know? My hair, I did it just like him. And I remember <laughs> calling him once. I said, yeah, Jacob, when, what age were you when you rode a motorcycle? Believe it or not, it was 11. So in my mind, at 11, I wanted to ride a motorcycle. You know? yeah. I said, yeah, what age were you when you got a phone? 19. Okay, so at 19, I wanted to have a, a phone. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's a bit the same process here, right? I looked up to my cousin. I wanted to become like him. I did the things that he did. It's the same here, my friends. Yeah? We look up to Jesus. We see him. Oh, you want that? Okay, let me do what he did. And we're going to go concretely on how it looks like in this verse. And this is really, really important, becoming like Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. And that's beautiful. That's part of the gospel message, right? God created Adam and Eve, right? To be his image bearers, to reflect him in the world, right? Something was broken there. Jesus came and said, okay, you know, I'm going to populate the earth with little Christ, people who bear my image. And so that's why, my friend, Jesus calls us to share in his life, right? And that's why when we... If we look at it from that point of view, that Jesus was full of the Spirit, and the things that he's teaching here about the kingdom, somehow start making sense. Okay, you know, I can't do this on my own, but by the Spirit, I guess I can learn to love my enemies. Right? I can turn the other cheek. Jesus did it. 
Right? That's a prime example. We don't need examples. I think of Jesus when he was on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them. Right? And so this is, my friend, the message of the kingdom. Jesus is saying, this is available for you as well. This life that I have, I want to share it with you. And you can have that as well. Right? Of course, you know, we are living in the not already and not yet. At some point, God's kingdom will be full. Right? But Jesus is still saying the invitation is for you today right? to live the life I lived. Right? Some people in the room I know are uh, learning Dutch here. I'm not going to look. But clearly I'm sure that you wish that when you go to a class that the teacher's knowledge would just be infused in your brain. Uh, that would be amazing, yeah? Just like immediate transfer, right? <laughs> right? And so clearly I'm sure as people can testify here that's not the case. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And my friends, that's as well what we are talking about here, right? In order to love your enemies, to forgive, right? It's that place of that deep character transformation, right? And that is something that will not be done for us. Right? This is really important. But also it is true that is, that is something we cannot do by ourselves, right? Deep character transformation, right? Being trained in the kingdom is not going to be done for us. But we cannot do it by ourselves. Right? That's why collaborating with the Spirit is really important. Right? The Spirit works in our lives. As we said a couple of minutes ago, our job is to respond to the Spirit. And as we respond to the Spirit, our inner life becomes more and more like the inner life of Jesus. Right? When we are at work, when we are at home, when we are taking the coffee, right? our inner life, learning from Jesus, right? our inner life is resembling more and more. Our feelings, our actions, our emotions, our thoughts right? are becoming aligned with how Jesus thought, with how Jesus felt. How exciting, right? How exciting. And that's why Jesus says, you know, a good tree produces good fruit. Right? That's that inner place of thinking like Jesus. Our thoughts centered on God, right? And so now let's, a bit, let's narrow down right, a bit to the concrete examples. I'm going to pick on Chris. I, I, I warned him last time, so it's okay, you know, so I'm going to pick on him. Chris is a great guy and he is also a very strong guy. Uh, and a couple of months ago, he participated in a bodybuilding competition and he won first place. Uh, yeah, no, it's really... Okay. Uh, and I'm sure he didn't just wing it. Yeah, he said, let me just participate. No. Yeah. Clearly, at some point in his life, he said, okay, you know, I want to be healthy, I want to like push myself, etc. Then, okay, he set his mind to it. And then he trained this much and this much. I'm not going to reveal his secrets. You can go and have a chat with him. Amazing. Uh, but he put the effort, he put the training, right? He had a method going in. And so that is as well Dallas Willard, an American writer whom I cannot recommend enough. Uh, he says this very helpful pattern. So V I N. He says first, 
you have to, in the kingdom of God, you have to embrace the vision of the kingdom. Right? All those truths that Jesus is speaking about, right? embrace them. The old has gone, the new has, has come. Right? right? Whoever believes in me, I will give him freedom. Right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shield. I shall have no, I will lack nothing. Right? There is nothing that I need that I don't have. Right? The, James 1 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you need trials of various kinds. Right? This vision of the kingdom. Right? Embrace it. Right? Fill your mind with that vision. And then there's the intent. Yes, I want that. And then there's the method. That's what it says. Right? And very simply here, the method is following in Jesus' footsteps. Do what he did. Right? Now, of course, we can talk about many things. Two weeks ago, Sarah mentioned how solitude is very helpful. You know? Jesus prayed. Jesus was alone with his father. Right? Those are things we can do to somehow make room in our lives for the Spirit to work. But something very important as well is to practice what Jesus did. Right? That's what Paul says. Right? He says, whatever you have learned and seen and received from me, practice these things and the God of peace will, will be with you. Right? And here, my friends, I want to suggest two things from this passage. That's something we can train on. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Right? This is something very practical we can do. Right? And I'm going to give an example. The other day I was on my bike and somebody just cut in front of me, right? I was like, hey, what's going on? Then I remembered, you know, how I'm preparing the sermon. Or, you, know, it's all right. anyway, you know, it's okay. Let me bless that person. Right? I start blessing him. I said, Lord, bless him. I still felt him. Okay, I said, let me go the whole way. Yeah. Number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And at the end, I really felt the Spirit filling me. And I yeah. felt love towards that person. Right? So the Holy Spirit gives us that nudge, right? It is the Spirit who leads us into obedience. We respond to the Spirit and we feel His power strongly in our lives. Right? So it is true the Spirit leads us to obedience and we respond to the Spirit. Second, Jesus says, right? Give. Right? And then it will be given back to you. And, and clearly, I think Jesus is the prime example. Right? Philippians 2 says that right? even though Jesus was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be taken advantage of, but emptied himself. Right? He gave himself. That's a prime example. And I just want to share this, but Phil preached some time ago about you know, giving. Right? And so Rose and I were convicted, like, we're, you know, after that session, we thought, okay, you know, we could give more, right? And interestingly, a month ago, the government sent us a letter, oh, yes, because you have a child, we're going to give you extra, you know? Again, this is not a slot machine, but when Jesus says give, you know, of course, with wisdom, he is right. He is the smartest person in the room. We can trust him, Right? Right? So we are sensitive to the Spirit's nudges. We respond. Right? And then we are filled with more strength. Right? We feel His presence more strongly. And my friends, that's, this is as well the, 
Um, the important thing that we need to realize is that Jesus knows the secret of living, right? He knows that it is easier to bless than to curse, right? He knows that it is easier to forgive than to harbor tr- uh, hatred in your life. And that's why Matthew 11 says, come to me and learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke means basically being a student right, of Jesus. My yoke is easy. Finally, I'll just close in two minutes. Of course, that's, there's that parable that's of the two builders. And we're not going to read this, but every time, not every time, but often when Jesus tells a parable, is often retelling an older story. Right? For example, the story of the prodigal son, he is retelling the story of Israel. Right? And now, in this uh, parable, he is telling a story again from Isaiah. Right? At the time, Israel was attacked, uh, was going to be attacked from Assyria, and they went to make an alliance with Egypt. Right? And the Lord said, don't do that. Right? And he said, he promises, then God promises that he will lay a cornerstone. Right? And whoever believes on that stone right, will never be shaken. And here Jesus is retelling that story, saying, you know, build on me and you will not be shaken. Right. And so, my friends, I think there are two things I want to finish. If we don't know Jesus yet, this is an invitation from Jesus today right? to build our life on him and to learn from him. And for those who follow Jesus, really, we all also take that challenge, right? Because often it's not that we choose to build our lives on something else, no, right? We are all serious people. We want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. But often we can sometimes a bit drift away, right? And perhaps there is a truth about the kingdom that we really need to embrace today. Right? I know that for me there are truths such as being a son that really matters to me. Right? And so I think before we close and then we'll lead into song and communion, really I would really ask you to pray and let the Holy Spirit show you that area in your life where you have to where you want to embrace that vision of the kingdom. Right? And wherever the Holy Spirit puts the finger on, Graham Cook, a writer, says, that's the place of your next victory. Right? Amen.